Welcome to Get Your Book Done. I'm your host, Christine Closer, a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author, award-winning publisher, and book writing coach to thousands. I love helping aspiring nonfiction authors write, publish, and promote their best books because there's nothing more powerful than writing a book to transform your life, your readers' lives, your business, and ultimately the world with your message. So let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode where we're going to be talking about authentic storytelling. Now, for any of you who are transformational authors or want to be transformational authors in the process of writing your book, you know, and if you've ever read a book that's really touched your heart and soul, you know that it is the authentic storytelling inside of those books and the book that you are or have written It's the storytelling that really helps you connect with your readers deeply, personally, and intimately. So I am thrilled that I have with me today, Jared Surf, because this is the conversation we're going to be having. Jared Surf is a professional writer, strategist, and storytelling coach who's worked with creatives and entrepreneurs of all kinds to help them reach their market, audience, or tribe, to connect what they make to what folks want out of life, and to discover the trust the impact or the legacy that they provide in the world as creatives and entrepreneurs, right? And you're all here because you're creatives. You have this book inside of you or book coming out of you already. And storytelling is certainly a part of that. So Jared, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Christine, it's a pleasure. I'm so glad that Doug and JJ introduced us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to send them a thank you after our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, now, first thing I always like to ask my guests is like about your journey. How did you get into this world of authorship and storytelling? So I'll never forget, I, back in my days of being PR marketing, social media, when I was freelancing or working within larger companies, at one point I wanted to work for, I think it was OBD, and I had an opportunity to meet with Andrew Lazaro and interview for position with him. And or was it OMD? <laughs> my memory from that period of time, I went through, there, there have been a few periods in my life where I've gone through a lot of personal injury treatment, et cetera. So my memory is a little fuzzy occasionally, which for storytellers are weird things to say, but uh, part of the life we live sometimes. To answer your question though, yes, I remember having to answer that in the interview and always wondering if people would believe it's true because I started speaking and writing at the age of two with short stories, with poems, things I would dictate to my folks who were journalists and writers. And they fostered completely and utterly that desire to share and tell stories. Even if I couldn't compose them physically myself, I would sit down, they'd have the typewriter out. And our earliest ones are from 1984, 85, things I would say to them. There's a a poem called There's a Panda in My Shoe, which is from 1985 that I apparently dictated to them on the year my brother was born. And Looking over it now, I would say this is me as a two, two and a half year old trying to process what happens when this new intrusive life enters mine, because, you know, we have the benefit of diff- of experience and time on there. But I've always been a storyteller, someone who's wanted to tell stories, who's found a reason and a means to. It took me a while through all the other permutations I followed that through on professionally and otherwise to say I'm a storyteller, someone who teaches, entertains, and Mm. guides the folks from my tribe, because fundamentally, all those other hats aside, that is what I do. But I would say in my professional career today, when I graduated college and had that period of time between then and grad school, I listened to the advice my 
writing teachers gave, which was if you're going to pursue writing, not just as a hobby, but as a career, as a life, right, as a calling, you have to know that there's more than one book in you. There has to be that urge always to write. So that summer I sat down and I wrote notes for a book and then I wrote notes for three more. And I walked up to my folks and said, I know I've been applying to all these corporations so I can take this path down to be a creative director, you know, chief creative officer, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I need to go to grad school for writing. <laughs> wow. You know, it's so interesting how everyone kind of lands in this world through different paths. But I have to say, I mean, of all the people that I've spoken to and asked that question to, I have never heard one say that the journey really started when they were two and started telling stories. That is absolutely a first, Jared. <laughs> and I, I mean, that's fantastic. How beautiful, you know, that your parents really encouraged that and, you know, helped you understand the power of storytelling. And even mm. when you couldn't write the stories yourself, um, you know, it helped you. I would imagine that had a huge, um, oh, huge absolutely. impact. I, I've, I've met so many creatives, folks that I've coached or just met in life who had that I think sometimes more expected narrative, which is the moment they say to the parents, I want to be an artist. And the family goes, right, but how are you going to feed yourself? And we've had that conversation too, but that wasn't the first conversation we had. It was okay, but what kind and why? And what do you, what is the calling for you, right? Because I also paint, I draw, I love music, although I'm not a great composer by any means. So I think as you found too, with writers you work with, right? There's never that one thing alone they want to express their creativity through. Yeah. Oftentimes it does have multiple outlets. So I'm curious when you talk about, you know, working with people and specifically today, mm -hmm. we're talking about authentic storytelling, right? And really having that mm -hmm. authenticity come through on the page. And most of our, I know you work with people who are both fiction and nonfiction authors, but my audience is predominantly nonfiction, mm -hmm. uh, nonfiction writers. So I just want to ask you like, you know, how, like, how does that work? How do like, what's your process to help someone maybe share some, you know, tips here to just help people sure. sort of find that truth and find that authenticity. I mean, I know the kind of journey that I take people on, but I'm always curious to hear like, how, like, how do you do that? So beyond the stories that we write to sell, the book itself, the movie, the video game, the screenplay, any of those, you know, where the story is the product, right? There are three fundamental tales in work, play, and life that we tell. It's who you are and what you create. That's the first. Why people come to you, right? That's the second. And where you'll help them arrive. The three of these together are the journey we take individually and with those we provide for over time toward a better life because fundamentally whatever you make whatever service you provide people come to you because they want to reach a, a better place in their life than where they're at right now whether that is advice life insurance a car a book on transformation i'm taking this into my life because i want to be in a better place than where i'm at right now it could be simply a matter of joy of entertainment or of learning particularly in transformational work right an actionable lesson that i can take with me in my life even if the rest of the book i put aside Got it. And I love that you kind of break it down to these three basics as to how do you really get into that truth and how do you find that authenticity is really looking first and foremost at who you are, right? Those of you who have been through my Get Your Book Done program or have, you know, gone over to freebookwritinghelp.com to, you know, sample my course for seven days for absolutely free, you'll see the very first question that I ask in that process is, what is the transformation that you want for yourself through this process of writing your book, right? It starts with 
you. Um, so Jared, I'm just delighted to see here, you know, the first thing really is about who you are and, um, you know, what it is that you create, you know, what is it that you create? What is it that you're, that you do? It's, it's so essential because when you're in the process itself of making and creating a thing, you will stumble over yourself, all your fears, your expectations, your concerns, your needs, wants, desires, everything that you put into the thing hoping it will get to a certain place. And in order to create the book, in order to tell the tale, you have to know what those are, acknowledge them, and importantly, put them to the mm. side. Because they are not the tale you'll write, whether it's fiction or not. And this is important. Here's the other. If people don't take anything else away from our conversation today, this is the first thing we said before, but also this. A good story can excite us. Yes, right? We Anything we watch, movie, film, television, book we open, we can be entertained by that, right? But the best ones, fiction or not, compel, inspire, or drive us toward the hope we need for a better life. And I think particularly for transformational fiction, although I would argue in fiction itself as well, the books you remember most. For me, for instance, Dandelion Wine, The Child as a proxy for Bradbury walking down to the cellar, seeing those two jars, savor and relish, and pondering over what it means to savor and relish mm. life, right? I remember that scene because whatever the tale was that I encountered it in, it mattered in my life afterwards. It made me think and contemplate, despite everything else I'm going through or around in my life, what here is there to savor Yes. Oh my gosh. So, and it's so funny. I thought I turned off my ringer and I don't know if you could hear it on the recording or on your <laughs> other end there, but uh, my ringer did not turn off like I thought it did. And it just came in and gave you a little ding, like bing, you know, that's it. That's the million dollar <laughs> answer right there. That was kind of funny, the timing. Um, it The ringer is off now. So sometimes it's, it's serendipitous like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's so, it's so incredibly true. And I want people to, to really get this, right? You're here because you don't just want to write a book or just put some words on the page. You're here because you want to have that impact. You want to have people reading your book who are seeing a new hope, seeing a new possibility, you know, who are inspired to maybe take action or do something different. Um, and that does happen through story. As you were just saying that it's like, yeah, there's just scenes of books that I've read, um, stories that have been told. I'm like, oh yeah, that they're all just coming back because I think we remember mm -hmm. um, so much in, in stories. They become part of your story and how you view the world. And I won't go too deep into the, because my background is also in the analysis of narrative and fiction and culture and all that. But when you take a story and interpret and experience it, what you read of that is your own thing, right? When you take my transformational book, if I were to write one, your encounter with that and what you take from it is your own unique experience. So true. And that is something outside of the author's control. And that's, it's a little terrifying, right? To, you put all this work and thought and life into the thing, and then it goes to the reader and whatever they take or derive from it is not for you to control. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm sure you've probably had this experience that I've had. And it's like one of the most rewarding things I think I've ever experienced as an author is when my book, The Freedom mm -hmm. Formula, first came out back in 2008. Now there's, you know, it wasn't quite the right book for me at the right time, but it was a book that just sort of came through, just not the one that I was ready to write. It was the one that I needed to read, um, mm -hmm. not be the author of at the time. But I had so many people who would reach out to me after reading the book saying, it was like you were a fly on the wall of my life. Like every word that you said, like it felt like you had written it just for me. They remembered the stories, you know, what I taught and the place that I taught it from. 
And, you know, I don't know, as an author, there is, there's nothing that I've experienced so far that's as rewarding as someone saying, I felt like you write, wrote your book just for me. Like you knew my story, my life, my experience, and you've been a fly on the wall witnessing me. It's so funny. Like, you just touched upon one of the rules, or I, I think of reflections of guides that I give to my students and clients like to help them write. Specificity is the soul of narrative. This is from the literary essayist and humorist John Hodgman. He says it on his show the whole time, all the time, but it's so true. We need those details to feel immersed and in the moment, to connect to what is there and attach it to things in our life. So I'm curious then, does is there, because some people I think use story really well, some people mm-hmm. neglect to use story enough. Some people misuse story and like place it in, you know, it's like, <laughs> wait, no, that's kind of not really the right place or way to be using story. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on, is there a place where story in people's books actually, you know, does belong or doesn't belong so that the reader never has an experience that I've had sometimes when I'm like, wait, why are they sharing this story here? Um, would love mm-hmm. any insight you had on that. Absolutely. The two most important things to take into mind when you're going on this journey of the tale you're going to write, that you're going to create, that you'll share to the folks in your market audience and tribe, right? You have to acknowledge that where you arrive is is not where you were. So as we've said before, you will yourself undergo a transformation. You need to be vulnerable and willing to share that vulnerability. And we'll get a little bit more into that and the details that it leads to in a moment. But Importantly, you have to be willing to open up and tear down the gates, open the garden path, whatever metaphor you want to use to let those folks in, because the truth stems from knowing who you are and being willing to share that one, two. And if it's not you in nonfiction, it's the character's truth, right? What they need, want, desire, what they're willing to give to achieve or acquire that, even if what they're paying for that price is terrifying or awful, right? You have to be willing to step aside all you or put aside all you are to experience that, to encounter that and convey it clearly. Then to your point, there's the question of when do I share that, right? When is the right time in the story for this piece of narrative, for this experience, for this detail to arise? And that speaks a lot to pacing. We can, and often do, I think, in problematic fiction and nonfiction, like find too many things happening in a scene, right? You're wondering, why is this here? Why is that there? Why are you sharing this moment or this thought reflection with me right now? Yeah, like trying to cram it all in. Mm -hmm. So in working with my students and my clients alike, I like to talk about this idea of the heart of the scene. It's that beat, that moment. And again, I grew up with music and words together. So when I hear one, I hear the other as well, which is why for me, I speak in terms of beat and rhythm, things that are sad, funny, beautiful, weird, the individual notes that flow and work together. But in every scene, and I challenge you looking to the books that you found best that did drive and spell, drive, compel, or inspire, go through and as an exercise, right, write down the statement that defines that scene. It could say something very simple. It's everything, all the beats in that scene will lead to it or follow from, right? So it could be at the beginning, it could be at the end, it could be right in the middle. We see this often in poetry as well. There's that one line that anchors, that is the sentiment that anchors the rest of the piece. It could be dialogue. So here's a couple examples. 
And let me just say real quick, I mean, you're talking about scene, but just to be clear, like it could be a scene specifically from a fiction book where you really are creating a scene or a scene right. as in a scene in the nonfiction right. book and whatever I, that particular piece is yeah. about. I just want to make sure everyone's it's, clear it's on this, it. Importantly, the architecture, the things that make a good story do not change, if, do not change regardless of whether you're telling fiction or not, because fundamentally our brains, when we experience that narrative, do not differentiate between what is fiction and what is not when it comes to the experience of them. If someone is sad and depressed and angry or happy or beautiful in that moment, we still experience it the same way as the reader or the viewer. So the architecture, what makes for a good story fundamentally doesn't change. The medium will help dictate what works well, right? If it's a visual media, there are things you can do in that arena that you couldn't necessarily do in a book. But that doesn't mean you can't, for instance, use illustration, et cetera, to convey things that words you're struggling with words to. So the heart of the scene is important because each scene has a heart, right? It could be something simple. I want things to stay the same. They never will be. And everything in the scene leads to that suggest implies it's the subtext that defines the rest. So it's important to know or recognize what the heart of a scene is because anything that doesn't lead to or follow from can go somewhere else. It's a way for you to recognize what's important in this moment and also to know what can be left for some other time. And that's putting aside whether the tale is told chronologically or through any of the more inventive postmodern ways we've seen in fiction or not. In the individual scene, all else aside, what is the heart of it? What follows from that or arrives to it? And I think the best ones usually are to look at an argument between or a discussion between two people, because typically in the dialogue, they'll say, here's or imply, here's what I want. Here's what you want. And can you recognize? But outside of that, for me as a tool, right, because I know I will speak faster than I think sometimes and I will say a thing three or four and then go, oh, that, right? As a tool, I have my audio recorder, Olympus recorder. It's about 10 years old at this point. Beautiful, simple piece of equipment. I go onto the trail, I press record, I speak, and then I let that creative process go. So creative process set to the side. Later on, I listen to the audio, right? And in the listening to the audio, that's where I'm able personally to recognize, oh, this is the moment that belongs here. And that other three or five other things I just said can go lie somewhere else. So as a technique, as a tool for you, two steps here. One, having means to capture the ideas when they come to you. And I'm sure you've said this too before, because you will lose them, even if they're raw, even if they're half formed. That's how creativity works. It's not necessarily a full realized idea. And then have a set aside a time to look back over those, right? When you know you have clarity, whatever your rhythm of your day or week is, that you can look through and say, okay, these three ideas connect together. These all belong on the scene. This is the reflection of a need, want, or desire from the person who's speaking, myself or someone else, if it's nonfiction. But it's a... I apologize. I went too in depth because I do this. No, it's, it's absolutely okay. And what's coming to mind for me is I know that some of the language and a lot of that I will use and that my clients will use is that it's like this puzzle, you know, and they have all these pieces and all these things and they, you know, they're really working to first and foremost, have a, have a large picture, like to have an understanding of what is it that is this picture that's in the front of the box? Like, what is it that this message? And then the job is to like, you know, lay the pieces out, but then put the pieces together in the right place to be able to create mm-hmm. the work that people can enjoy and be inspired um, and moved. For reminding me of the piece I was mm-hmm. reaching to that I could not remember until you said that. No worries. So fiction or not, 
there are three things you need to know the truth to your world, your story, and your characters, right? If it's nonfiction, you're a character, you are a performance of yourself in the book in your life as well. You notice when you observe yourself interacting with people, you put on a show of who you are. It's not all of who you are in fiction, the same. What is true or not true about you and the other characters in the book about the world in which all of this takes place, the town, the village, the community, all the elements therein, and then the story itself. How is it told? How is it structured? Where will it go, right? Those things are important to lay out, even if you don't know all of them and you won't at the beginning. There's no way to know all of them and you have to, you have to accept that. So you lay out what you do know have a sense of not knowing. So I do know this thing about the character. I'm unsure of how to express or convey that, but I know I'm unsure about it. Lay those things down and allow yourself the space, memory, the time to discover those things. And it sounds weird to create a space for a thing unknown, but doing that relieves you of the pressure of needing to know, right? Well, I just have to say, Jared, your timing in saying that is impeccable because I was literally just working on a new presentation a webinar that I'm going to be offering for the first time later this month for my community. So y'all stay tuned to hear about that. But I was writing about how so many of these book writing methods that tout, you know, formulas and <laughs> templates and fill in the blanks and become a bestseller oh. overnight and all this, like that there's there, they don't leave the spaciousness. They don't create the container through which and in which the true authentic story, the book that someone is called to write can come forth. Like it needs the spaciousness. You can't like, you can't create a good book under a pressure to fit some formula or, you know, put blanks in a template and expect it to be anything that's going to really go anywhere. This touches upon Um, what we were talking about earlier. How do you, when you decide to undertake this journey, find the story that is not the one you want to make, insist and need and demand to make, but has to be told, right? And I think as I was working myself through before, you can have all your thoughts as the way to the way it should be. But in order to find what it will and is going to be outside and beyond of you, you do have to create that space that is not necessarily defined, that has ambiguity and uncertainty to it. And then the question becomes within the sea of the unknown, not how do you confine it, but how do you navigate or live through it, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I actually, I call that well, I have some language around it. I either call it the sacred mm-hmm. container because to me, like the only way that a book gets written is by the author themselves really being the space of a sacred container for their best work mm-hmm. to come through. And I also refer to it as having a fluid structure. Like you need some structure. Absolutely. You need some banks to the river or the river goes everywhere and it's a mess. Like you need some structure to it, but that structure must be fluid to allow for the book to evolve or the story to emerge as it's meant to, not because it's in some, you know, rigid, unforgiving mm-hmm. formula or template that forces it to be something it's not so, meant to be. Like I oh, could no, go on a soapbox and not going to, because I'll be talking more what, about that on the webinar I have coming most, up. But I'm so glad you touched on that. One of the fundamental conversations I have with pretty much everyone I coach, and it's one we return to because the means by which you do this changes by the individual. But here's the fundamental thing I had to arrive at as well, right? You need to ask yourself, what if, and follow the why. You need to know 
that you won't entirely know. But when a thing arrives, when a beat or a moment arrives, I'm not sure if this is the right way to say or describe it, or particularly in fiction, if this is exactly what happens next. But I need you to accept that in this moment, as I'm creating, right, I'm going to take that thing as a truth and see what is implied from that. And here's why all those fundamental truths are important. The end of the book is only inevitable if everything true before leaves leads to it. If all of these things are the way they are, then here's how it would end because of the truths that led to it before. That's how you get from one end of the sea to the other. Not by saying here's the dotted line across it, but by knowing this, by mastering the skills and techniques to navigate one, or to your point, how, did, how do you find the shape of this particular story or the container in which it will, it will grow and arrive? One, and two, you need to be fluid, nimble, and flexible enough to trust in yourself, right? That if and when you stumble, you will know what to do next to get to where you ultimately will arrive. Yes. And that is what makes someone, when they actually write this book and it's really out in the world, that is what has, I believe, has them stand with authenticity and integrity and stability in their message and in that book, like they become the living, breathing, walking, talking mm -hmm. embodiment of what they've put inside of that book because they've lived it. They've experienced it. They've allowed it to emerge. They've embodied it rather than pumped it through some formula. And I actually want to make sure that everyone knows that you have a great resource available for them. And if you've listened to my show before, you know that I'm going to tell you to head over to the show notes because over there, um, Jared has made available for you the seven great rules to writing stories that sell. It is a free resource you can go and get. So I, I'm hoping that you are intrigued by what you're hearing today about authentic storytelling and some of the you know incredible points and just moments that Jared has shared with us. Um, but again, you can go over to the show notes to grab your free copy of Seven Great Rules to Writing Stories That Sell. And, you know, here's the thing. You say stories that sell, but I think what you're saying, Jared, correct me if I'm wrong, and then we're going to wrap up here in a minute, um, is that stories that sell, that sell the reader on the experience of getting to that place of being inspired, you know, to do something different that may end up selling a service because someone, again, they have that connection, they're inspired. So I don't want you to think that it's just, oh, this is actually all about making money. And, you know, stories do help you make money, but it's also about selling the message that you're here to share. Am I yeah. on point? In, so two things um, there. One, the guide itself, you can think of them as kind of like a Zenco and they're easy to understand, but often difficult in life to master. They take time to practice, right? So the guide yeah. is a great way to acknowledge and recognize, and there's a self-assessment that comes with it. So you can look at it and go, okay, one, I need some help with this. Two, I'm really good at this, right? As a way to recognize which are the ones you struggle with or would like to seek guidance on. I find that useful. Two, we use the word sell, but as Christine said, it is open. It's not just about the money. There are three people, three kinds of people you provide your story to, your market, right? Your audience, your tribe. Your market are those who might be interested in who you are and what you do. Your audience likes, they follow, they subscribe all of that. Your tribe though, are the folks who provide, who give you time, information, and money. So yes, there's a, there's a conversation about selling in terms of trust, impact, and legacy to each of those. But when you tell your story, when you are providing it, the one about who you are, why people come to you, and where you'll help them arrive, or the one that you write to sell, it's always first to the heart that that arrives. Mm, we uh -huh. have to love it first before we decide. 
So well said. Thank you, Jared. And before we do wrap up and say goodbye, like, are there any, I know you already said, like, if you take one thing (laughs) from this conversation today, but usually at the end, I ask if there's one thing that you want to make sure everyone walks away with today, it could be a reiteration of the earlier point, or it could be something else that's inspired in the moment. But, you know, what do you most like, what's the last thing you want to say on this conversation today to our listeners um, with regards to authentic storytelling? them to really, you know, take in their hearts. The most liberating thing, regardless of what you write or why, and this goes for any kind of creativity, not just books, right? I'll use the word write, but you can put in the appropriate crafting term here. You don't need to know everything right now, but you do need to write, to craft, mold, to find, whatever that word is. So true. You don't need to know everything right now, but you do need to write because through the process of writing is where you end up knowing. So, so fantastic. Thank you again, Jared. I want to just make sure everyone knows to head over to the show notes and grab your copy of that guide that Jared's made available for you. And I just, I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'd love to come back and do Q and A's or other stuff with your fans at some point later, because that's knowing what they're working on is usually the best way to find the specific solution or the approach or the, uh, personally for me, it's just the, it's the part I enjoy most, right? Here's the story I'm working on. How do I get to where I want it to be next or where it needs to be next, right? Perfect. Well, thank you. I will keep that in mind as we go forward with our shows this year. And of course, audience, listeners, uh, get your book done, transformational author community out there. I always want to thank you as well for showing up here and for being the kind of person who, if you're following me, you're not the kind of person who's interested in pumping your book through some formula or template and like spitting out something that isn't like your masterpiece. So I just want to thank you for being here, for your time and your energy and your focus and attention today to hear this conversation and to be on this engaged journey of authentic storytelling. So thank you so much for being here and I look forward to being with you next time. Bye for now. Happy writing, everyone. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Get Your Book Done. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about today. And if you want my help with your book, head over to christinecloser.com to learn more and get a free copy of my book, The Transformation Quadrant, which will show you how to blueprint your book in 15 minutes or less. The Get Your Book Done podcast is where the leading conversation is happening for transformational authors everywhere. And I'm grateful you tuned in.